Right. How many of you would rather be here tonight than the best rest home you know of? Raise your hand right there. Amen. I had two. Nothing against rest homes. I'm going to probably need one one day. But anyway, God bless you. Wasn't that a good message this morning, Mother's Day message? Man, I'm still mulling that thing over in my heart. It was so good, somebody said that they saw the preacher signing his own Bible. And is that true, preacher? <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> One preacher I heard about said somebody come by the door every Sunday, shake his hand and say, warm message, preacher, warm message. said, every Sunday, did it for four or five Sundays. He said, what do you mean warm message? He said, not so hot. <laughs> but anyway, I'm honored to be a part here, and I count, of course, we count. This is our church, and uh, we appreciate the way you folks have welcomed us in. And I have some great friends that are here tonight, and I wish I could go through and call all of them's name, but the Fanchelers, the Plunkets. Miss Emma Jean and others are here, and I appreciate you coming tonight. God bless you. And uh, I want you to uh, turn in your Bibles tonight to Acts chapter uh, 11. We want to get right into this, but I want to thank you before I do, and uh, we got a, a good amount to cover in a short time, so we'll try to quit on time tonight. But uh, thank you for your prayers for my last two overseas trips, and God blessed in both of them. Amen. We arrived, uh, Zach, my grandson here, went with me to Belgium, and we arrived that Saturday morning a week ago yesterday, and then that afternoon they were having a baptism, some new converts that had been one to the Lord in that new church, and uh, the preacher said, would you help me baptize? I want you to help me baptize some of them. I said, sure. I just figured we'd go down to a hotel somewhere where they had an indoor pool, heated, and it was 45 degrees that day. And we went to a lake, preacher, and I waded out waist high in a 45-degree weather in a lake. I, I thought, Lord, what am I doing here? But I knew, and I got the privilege to baptize two Muslims that had been saved. And boy, they were on fire for the Lord. I just praise God for that. I just saw some good things. We organized the church on that Sunday morning officially. The only, far as we know, Bible-believing church in a city of 250,000 700,000 in the surrounding areas, but just a lot of people, and then preached the revival meeting and saw victory after victory. I saw Muslims down on their knees who'd been born again, just surrendering their lives to the Lord. Saw a marriage, the, the divorce papers were being signed the next day, and God salvaged the marriage in that meeting. I mean, God just did some wonderful and good things. Amen? Well... We're going to talk about Friend Day, but before we do, we've got to get to, have we passed out our pamphlets yet? Everybody got them? You got them in your hand? Let's pass them out, fellas. Not pamphlets, but little packets. Everybody's got packets. Do, do them real fast, and I'm going to keep going. Now, you can open that packet and look at it, but don't sit there and read it while I'm preaching, okay? Because I'm only going to get to preach a little bit tonight, and then we've got to teach some about Friend Day. But you know what, what the church has got to do, and I'm so thankful that our church has a concern for souls. But I tell you what every church needs to do, and every Christian needs to do it. We need to just sit down and, and just say, Lord, is my focus on what your focus is on? And I believe if our focus is on what God's focus is on, I believe God will help us. You say, well, what if our focus is not quite right as an individual Christian? Then I remember my daddy sold appliances when I was a little boy at a store, had two stores actually, and sold appliances, and we, my daddy sold some of the first black and white TVs that were bought in our community, and I remember that they didn't have but two channels, I think it was, Groucho Marx and somebody else, but anyway, uh, that, the, the screen would get wiggly, and you couldn't see it, 
And Daddy would say, son, go over there and push that red button on the back, that reset button. And they had a little red button on the back, and you'd push it, and most of the time the picture would go right into focus. It's amazing how it would do that. Now today, kids don't know what a reset button is. Most folks don't. Today it's reboot, amen, and that'll clear up a lot of things on your computer. But uh, I really believe that some of us just need to hit that reset button and get clear on what God's emphasis is in the Bible. And I'm convinced that our preacher's been challenging us about getting one, just getting one. And most of us ought to get more than one, that we get one. And, and friend day will be a great opportunity for you to do that. Acts chapter 11 is about a church in the Bible by the, that was in Antioch. I remember as a young pastor, I got along with God one day and I said, Lord, I, I don't know a lot, and I still don't, but I don't know a lot, but I'd like to have a church in the Bible, and I want to use the whole Bible and the whole New Testament, all the epistles, book of Acts, all of it. But Lord, if I could find one church that's such a good church that I could pattern the church I'm going to pastor after, I'd like to find that. And I'll be honest with you, I, I don't think I ever told our people at our church, but we... I patterned my ministry after the Antioch church. And I thought there's so many good things about that church, and I can't find anywhere in the Bible, maybe you know of a place, you can tell me after the service, but I can't find anywhere where God ever had a rebuke for that church. It's one of the great churches, I believe, of the New Testament. And I want to show you what they were really concerned about. Now, I don't have time to preach all of this, of course, but they were... One thing they did, in fact, let's just read it right here in verse number 23. They had uh, left Jerusalem fleeing from persecution. And uh, as they made their way up north, these people that were fleeing persecution, these young Christians, these people who hadn't been saved long, they went about a hundred and some miles up north to a city called Antioch. And as they were going, of course, they witnessed as they went. But when they got there, a church was planted. Now, we know that an apostle did not start this church because all of them stayed back in Jerusalem. We have no indication there was even a preacher with them. And it was just the Christians, just normal Christians that made their way up to Antioch. And when they got there, let's just begin reading in verse 19. Now, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose of Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus, Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, they spake unto the Grecians or the Gentiles, preaching the Lord Jesus. That's a good message. Amen. And as a result of the heart of the people for souls, we see the hand of the Lord was with them. I'm convinced that when people, churches, individuals, have a heart for souls, you can expect the hand of God to be on you. And I'm convinced the hand of God is on this church because it has a heart for souls, at least many do. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. They heard about what was going on, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Go up there and see what's going on. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God. Now, how do you see the grace of God? You just simply see what the grace of God has done. How the drunkards were made sober, harlots made pure, people's lives were changed, they were drawn out of paganism under the Lord Jesus. I mean, great things were going on. And when he saw that, he was glad and exhorted them that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Well, he was a good man, Barnabas was, and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added to the Lord. More people got saved. 
Well, he needed some help. Then he departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him into Antioch. And what did they do? It came to pass a whole year. They assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. So you not only have evangelism, but now you have edification through the teaching of the Scriptures. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now they're exalting Jesus to the point that the pagans, God didn't give us that name Christian. The pagans in that community said they're Christians. They were, called, they were calling them Christians. And that means one belonging or like Christ. And those folks so taught about Christ, sung about Christ, preached about Christ, witnessed about Christ, that people said, you're like Christ. What an amazing testimony that is. When you get on down to verse 27, I'm not going to read all those scriptures, you find out those people had an expression of uh, love for the saints. So they exalted Christ, they edified people with the Bible, they evangelized lost souls, and now we find them expressing love for other churches and other saints. Now the reason is they sent a love offering down to Jerusalem. Now watch this. You say, well, I know that's good to send a love offering to somebody in need. Yeah, but you've got to keep in mind, in Jesus' day, the Jews hated the Gentiles, and Gentiles hated the Jews. But isn't it amazing when you get saved, God changes your attitude about people? So now you have a church up north that's primarily Gentiles, sending a love offering down to Jerusalem to a church made up primarily of Jews. See, something had happened in their heart, amen? And they were expressing love instead of hatred one for another. And then in chapter 13, we find they established churches and they began to reproduce their self. Now, none of the last things would have ever happened had they not won people to Christ. And on June the 23rd, preacher just said we have the potential that Woodland will have one of the greatest days, if not the greatest attendance we've ever had. Now, that won't happen unless all of us do our part. In fact, my little thought is that your heart will determine your part. Whatever our heart is will determine what we do and how we get involved. Now, tonight, with the Lord's help, I'm going to try to show you how important it is to get people here. And one way we can do it is with a friend day. Now, it's... Uh, 100th anniversary, so you invite anybody you want to. I mean, if your mama goes to a fundamental, independent, Bible-believing, devil-hating, Christ-loving church, and you think she ought to be over here with you on a big special day, help yourself. I don't care if you want to invite her. But what we're going to talk about tonight is inviting only lost people, not only, but inviting lost people and unchurched people, and how you can do that. And we're going to look at that in just a little bit. But you've got to have a heart for people. Any. How many of you remember the first soul you had the privilege of leading the Lord? Raise your hand up. Raise your hand. Okay, we've got a few hands went up. Good. Why not more, preacher? Because it's a fact that 90 to 95% of most Christians have never led a soul to Christ. Now, I don't believe that would be true here, but I believe the number would stagger us if we knew what it was. I remember I was three months old in the Lord when I won the first soul to Christ. And I'm telling you, it was one of the greatest thrills of my entire life. Old boy, some 40-some years later, is still serving Jesus. <laughs> That's what I like about it. Amen? But anyway, so a lot of churches are called soul-winning churches. Sometimes they're called that because the preacher, they have a soul-winning preacher, pastor, or maybe a soul-winning pastor and staff. I don't believe that's really a soul-winning church. I believe a real soul-winning church is when large numbers of the congregation are seeking to witness and win souls to Christ. And that's what I want to challenge you about. I, I remember as a young pastor, 
the day that I got a hold of Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12, that Christ gave gifts to the church were men, prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors and teachers. What's the purpose? For the perfecting, that means to equip them and to outfit them to do what they're supposed to do. And what is they supposed to do? The Bible said that they were going to help them uh, perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. So who does the work of the ministry? Does your pastor? Well, sure he does. But who is the pastor responsible to teach to do the work of the ministry? God's people, every one of them. Every one of us tonight that name the name of Jesus, we have a responsibility to be servants of the Lord. You see, I, I know people say, well, I know, preacher, other people can do that, but I just can't do it. Now, the devil told you that because the Bible didn't tell you that. Amen. Well, preacher, I know that God uses some people, but I, I just don't believe he could use me. Again, you didn't get that out of the Bible. The devil will convince you that you don't have the ability and you don't have the know-how and you don't have the what. Well, preacher, I've never had an education in the Bible and soul winning. The woman at the well had never had it either. But brother, she turned an entire city toward the Lord. And many of them got saved because she knew something had happened in her heart and she wanted others to know about it. Now, what we want to do in the next uh, about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, we've got plenty of time, I want to show you one way that we can get people here on the 100th anniversary of the church, and I call it a friend day. Now, I tried friend days for years and failed at them. You know, we'd have a big friend day and have, you know, 20, 20 visitors, which was wonderful to have 20 visitors. I like having one, amen. I like having any visitors. But I kept working on that thing, and for 20 years I worked to try to perfect as much as a human being can. Listen, I don't claim to be anything, but I worked hard to try to perfect that friend day. And the church I pastored was about half the size of the. I don't know exactly what our attendance is here, but we were running about 800, 850 back then. And it was nothing for us to have well over 300 visitors by friend day, using the friend day method that God had blessed. I believe Friend Day is one of the greatest tools for reaching people and getting lost people and unchurched people into the house of God. And so for the next few minutes, we're going to talk about that. Now, the success of a Friend Day will not be me teaching you how to do it. The success of a Friend Day will be, number one, God blessing it, amen, and second of all, us doing what we're going to learn about tonight. And every one of us saying right now before I start, Lord, help me. You can use somebody like me. I want to be used. You can help me to bring people to the house of God to hear our Bible preaching pastor preach the gospel to them. And maybe many of them will be saved here, but others will be saved maybe later. But boy, this is going to be a great time for us here. We used to use Friend Day at the church I pastored, and it helped grow our church, literally grew our church. And uh, I praise the Lord for it. Well, let's look at Friend Day. You got your little packet? Okay. Now, everything just about I'm going to cover is in your packet, and there's going to be some things put up on the screen, and some of it is going to be small, and you won't be able to read it, but don't worry about it because you've got it in your packet. I just want you to listen. So if I ask you to look in your packet and find something, you can do that. But other than that, don't be fumbling through your packet. If you just listen, I'll tell you, and then you can go back. Now, let me clarify one thing before we begin, because I know it's going to take a lot of pressure off the preacher. Right down at the bottom, we're going to have lunch on the grounds, right, preacher? 
When it says lunch provided over the side, Pastor Tim Gavin, that doesn't mean he's providing the lunch, okay? There's not a buy between those two words. It just means he's the pastor and lunch has been provided. Now, you ladies going to have to make a lot of food. And we'll know on the friend day part of it about how many visitors we're going to have because you're going to be turning in cards for the next six weeks. And by the time the Wednesday night before the big day comes, we'll know about how much you, you ladies need to prepare food for as far as those coming as part of friend day. So let's look at it. Now, when I used to have friend day, I'd invite all the politicians. We've had judges, we've had state senators, we've had uh, everybody you can think of. I'd invite the sheriff, the head of the EMS, the fire chief, I mean, the janitor over at the government center. I mean, it didn't make any difference. Just invite everybody. Amen. So here's the goal. Here's the goal, okay? And this is a new... This, my, I didn't know how this PowerPoint was going to work, but I think it's going to be all right. Here's our goal. Our goal is we want to invite. Here's what I want you to go after. Now, if you want to invite other people, like your bomber that goes to that good fundamental church, that's fine, too. Help yourself. Just bring all you want to. But here's what Friend Day is going to be about. We want to invite unsaved people and people that are unchurched and that would include people that are in liberal churches that don't preach the gospel. Amen? So we want to get them as well and we want to bring them here on Friend Day, our 100th anniversary and here's the purpose of doing it. Number one, building bridges of friendship. Now what are you talking about, friendship? I'm talking about most saved people make no friends with lost people. I'm not talking about being their bosom buddy and going to the bar with them. I'm talking about befriending them, being kind to them, showing compassion of Jesus to them so that you'll have a great opportunity to witness to them and win them to Jesus Christ. So that's what you're going to be doing. You're going to be talking to people. Amen? Second thing, we want to see people saved. I like seeing people saved. Don't you? I love seeing people saved. And then we want to not only see people saved, but we want to see those unchurched people that claim to be Christians, we want to see those backsliders restored to fellowship. And they're out of church, so this is a good one to get into. Amen? And last of all, that God will show us what He can do if we just put forth the right effort. Amen? I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't see any reason why we can't have 500 visitors just from what you do for Friend Day. I don't see any reason we can't. I don't believe I'm over-exaggerating. If a church half this size could have over 300, then a church twice that size ought to be able to have 500. Amen? I mean, say amen right there. All right, good, good. Now you say, well, preacher, why would you have big days to start with? Well, you reach a lot of people with big days, and I want to give you a little illustration right here. I used to call, teach my preacher boys, I said, never have, I, don't, I wouldn't have over three big days a year. That's on a normal year. But this is our 100th anniversary year. Preacher can do anything. Of course, he can do anything he wants to do anyway, can't Because <laughs> we know he's going to do what's right. But I called it pyramid growth because you go up, but you come back down. Amen? And so let's take, and I don't know what the attendance of Woodland is, but I just throwed out a number of 1,500, and it's easy to work with math with just regular numbers. All right, let's say on that Sunday, everybody here is going to work hard. Say amen right there. Amen. We're going to work hard, and I'm going to show you how you can invite a person and the opportunity for them to come just about triples if you'll do it the way I tell you to do it. Okay? How many of you have ever invited anybody to come to church and they never come? Anybody ever done that? <laughs> you ever invite folks to revival meetings? Yeah, I'm going to try to come, going to try, and they never come. We've all done that. Now, you may invite somebody that don't come, 
But I promise you, if you'll invite several people the way I tell you to, you're going to have more visitors than you have personally ever had probably in your Christian life. Now, let's say, for instance, on this Sunday, we do have those 500 visitors. I'm going to do exactly what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to have folks here, the Lord willing, with God's help. And uh, let's say we end up with 500 visitors. That means on that Sunday, instead of having 1,500, what we've been, say, averaging, and I don't know what we average here, but let's say on that Sunday, we're going to have 2,000. Now, there's going to be more because you're going to invite other people to come because that's going to be a special day, the 100th anniversary. But the next Sunday, you're not going to have 2,000, right? They're all not going to come back next Sunday. In fact, most of them won't come back. But let's say over the next few weeks after they're here, maybe some of them get saved while they're here, some of them get right with God, man, they want to start coming to this church, and then we're going to follow up on those people and go knock on their door and visit with them at home after your best prospects are people that's visited the church. So let's say you only keep 60 of those 500 people that came to church. Over the next few weeks, you've worked hard. Some of them got saved in. You led some of them later. Some of them just started coming to church here. And you only got 60. Don't you think that's reasonable? I'm not trying to be unreasonable. Okay, let's say you have another special day. Now you're averaging 1,560. And that day you increase by 440. Boy, you worked hard on that day too because you got excited about the last day. So we bring 440 visitors. I mean, you can count the bus, count all. I'll count everybody if you want to. And now we have 1,900 on that day, but you know the next Sunday we're not going to have 1,900. It's going to drop back. But you see those 400 and some, we're going to be working with them. Some of them may get saved that day. Christians get right with God, get into church. We're going to follow up on them. And let's say now you kept only 30 of that group. So that's, isn't that reasonable? So now your church is averaging 1,590. So you have a revival meeting. You're going to have a revival, but you want to have a big Sunday. You're going to get that thing kicked off right, and you work your head off, and you have 410 visitors. I mean, you have worked hard, and you're going to have 1,900 that Sunday. You're only going to keep 30 of those 410. You're only going to get 30 of them after it's all said and done. You're averaging 1,620. So you know what? Just with the three big days, not counting regular visitation, not counting every Sunday, we have people saved and baptized here almost every Sunday, and uh, not counting all of that, just the three days, your churches grew by 120. Reasonable? I think it's very reasonable. Uh, but what if you did that every year for five years? If you did that every year for five years, you would grow from 1,500 to 2,205. I don't know many churches that's growing like that, especially a church this size. So if you did that for five years, you had an 8% growth from big days. And plus, we're not even talking about the normal soul winning every week. None of that's even counted in. These are just big days. So you could grow from 1,500 to 2,205. That's, that's pretty good growth. I don't know if many people wouldn't want that. Now, let me explain to you the procedure. This is just kind of the nuts and bolts of it. And you've got that in your packet. Don't look at it now. Just listen to me. And you won't be able to read all this probably because it's too far away. I'm going to tell you how to invite people. And if you'll do it the way I tell you, I promise you it works. And there's nothing wrong with it, but it works and God can use you to do it, and you'll have more people to say yes to you than you've ever had committed to come to, I believe, any day you've ever had. So now, once you, once you get a visitor committed, and I'm going to teach you in a minute how to do it, once you get a, teach, uh, a teacher, once you get a, uh, 
a visitor committee. All right, you're gonna you're gonna get his name. You go, you already know his name probably, but get his address and his phone number. And I'm gonna teach you how to get his address and phone number because most people don't like to give out all that information. But I'm gonna teach you how a simple way to do it. Okay. Now, once you get it, then you're going to take some cards. There should be a couple of them in your packet. They're called uh, My Friendly Contract. Okay? So write on any piece of paper you want to, but when you get home, transfer it over to these little cards because you're going to use those cards, preacher. Let's start. Can we start a week from this Wednesday having them stand up and read the names? Okay. And I found out if we leave out any part of this, it doesn't work well. I don't know why. I just... I failed so many times, I figured a little bit out how to do it. So you're going to take these little cards, and you've got uh, Jane and Susie Q, I mean Tom and Susie Q down here, and their two children have committed to you they're coming. They promised you they're going to come. So let's say a week from this coming Wednesday night be the first time we're going to have people to stand up and read the name. Pastor's going to get up here. And by the way, you won't have time to say, i got two coming, I want you all to pray for Brother Bill. Brother Bill's been having a hard time, and he's had surgery, but I believe you don't have time for that in the service. Preacher's got to preach, amen? amen? So what we want you to do is just stand up, just pop up like popcorn, and just read the names, and somebody is going to be appointed by the preacher to get a count on how many was committed that night. And he's going to do that, I believe, every Wednesday night and Sunday night. Right, preacher? So you've got to do it quickly. You're just going to stand up and you're going to shout it out real loud, the names, not just the number. You're going to read the names off. Now what we're going to do is we're going to take those cards, you're going to turn them into, excuse me, turn them in the offering plate. So preacher, it would be good if you could do that before the offering. They're going to turn them into the offering plate and they're going to go to the office. And Miss Sandy and those ladies that work with her are going to take those cards and they're going to get the information off of them. And they're going to make prospect cards for months to come. They're also going to get that information and they're going to put their names down and we're going to hand out about every week an updated prayer list. And what we're going to do for four, five, six weeks, we're going to pray over the people who've committed to come. I believe that prayer is the missing ingredient, one of the missing ingredients in evangelism. So the ladies are going to make a prayer list and they're going to hand it out here and some of us can take, the, all of us should, but take the prayer list and just labor before the Lord in prayer for these people that God will work in the heart when they come and that they'll come. Amen? Now, these cards are going to be put on a, a board. Brother Dwayne, our good, good, good maintenance man here, he's got us a board coming here in the next couple of weeks and he's going to have it out somewhere toward the foyer and we're going to put those cards up on that board and you're going to see those cards begin to multiply. Now, before June the 23rd, we're going to take all them cards down because we don't want people walking in seeing their name on the board. Eh? And uh, so we're going to take them off. Then on the 21st or 2nd, which is the Friday and Saturday before the big day, you're going to call your committed visitor. I'm going to tell you exactly what not to say when you call them. You'll lose more of them right there. It's like reeling in a fish, and man, you got him, and he's the biggest one you've ever seen. And you back got him up, and just before you get him in the boat, he slips off, and he's gone. Now, when you call them, if you're not careful, they'll slip off and tell you, well, I'm sorry, but I can't come. I'm going to show you, if you do what I ask you to do, what I recommend you do, how to eliminate most of those, okay? Now, you're going to call your friend on that Friday and Saturday, just remind him that you thank him for coming. I'll tell you what to say in just a minute. Uh, all names are going to be added to the prayer list. I already said that. Names will become prospects in the office. 
When you come on visitation, I hope you do, when you come on visitation, boy, you won't have to worry about having cards to go see people because these people have already come to your church and we'll follow up on those people. And we want to be, and you already are a friendly church, but when we, that day we're going to forget ourselves. Okay? We're going to forget about us. Where we're sitting at has no, listen, doesn't matter. My name is not on any, on any seat in this building. And I'll stand up and let somebody have my seat. We've got we to treat these visitors like kings and queens. Amen? We want them to see Christianity in, 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 in action, where we're smiling at them. Now, you know what? We can spend all our time fellowshipping with one another that day, but we're going to miss a great opportunity to be a blessing to these visitors. So let's be the friendliest we've ever been out in the parking lots. I mean, greeting people, talking to people. We're so thrilled that you're here. Oh, man, we just, you just can't imagine how glad we're here. And then I had to get the ninth one in, and ladies got to have a lot of food. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So that's the process. You've got that in your... If you forget what I'm saying, it's in your packet. Okay? Now, how do I invite somebody, preacher, and be more successful in getting them to say, yes, I'll come? All right? And you probably won't read, be able to read the small print on this next one. I said a while ago, you've asked people to come and be a visitor of yours, and many times, in fact, I believe Brother Bobby told me he's asked I don't know how many, and they didn't come. And by the way, there may be some people you're going to ask to come to Friend Day that won't come, but I'm going to show you how to increase that number triple, okay? Twofold at least. Don't go somewhere and say, listen, we're having a Friend Day, big 100th anniversary, and push the 100th anniversary. But we're having our 100th anniversary, and we're having a Friend Day that day, and uh, well, I'd like you to come if you can. Well, yeah, man, yeah, well, maybe you can. Well, okay, maybe you can. That's good. You don't fill out a card on them because they didn't commit to come. Oh, yeah, maybe I'll come. That's not a commitment, so don't fill out a card on them. Here's what you say. Let's say you're talking to your mechanic who works on your car. Uh, John, you've been my mechanic for a long time. And I tell you what, I appreciate how you've helped me with my car all these years. But man, do I need a favor from you. And here's the favor I need from you. My church is having their 100th anniversary, and we're calling it Friend Day that day. And every member is supposed to bring a friend. And John, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what in the world I'm going to do if I don't have a friend, and I'm the only one at my church that don't have a friend. Now, they're going to start feeling sorry for you. Now, watch this. I, 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 don't, I just don't know what I'm going to do if I don't have a friend. On the 23rd, you tell them about when it's going to be. And I'd hate to go to church that morning and be the only one there without a friend. Would you and your dear wife be willing to come to one service on that day? It's at 10 o'clock. And we're going to have... In fact, if you could stay, there's dinner on the grounds. But I, I just don't want to show up on friend day without a friend. Could you help me with that? You and your wife be my friend and you can sit with us and I'll meet you at the door. Now let me tell you something. He's feeling sorry for you that you're going to show up on friend day and you're going to be the only one who don't have a friend. Now I'm telling you, it works. Now not everybody, some people don't give a flip whether you have a friend or not on friend day. But let me tell you, you've been doing business with that man for years, he kind of owes you a little favor, Amen. So that's one way, that's the way you get people to come. You, and if you go in there and say, we're having a friend day, I'd really like for you to come, hope you can come, you may get a few commitments, you may get some, but you won't get many. But if you'll say, I need a favor, I just can't stand the thought of showing up and being the only 
member of our church not having a friend. Could you help me out that one service and come to our church, you and your wife and children, and be my friend? And you can sit with me. You'll get more people that way than any way I've ever found to invite people to come to church. I've never seen it anything work any better than that. Well, you're going to need to have their name and address on that card. So how are you going to get that? Because you start saying, I need, you, I need your address so I can visit. No, no that's not what you're asking for. Uh, John, if they commit to come, do you mind if I get your wife's name and your address? My preacher wants to mail everybody who's coming a letter the week before. They're going to give you that, and, and we're, not telling them, we're not telling them anything that's not truthful. Our pastor is going to send out a letter to all these visitors. Boy, those ladies in the office, they're going to be ready for this. Amen? And the week before, they're going to mail to all of these however many hundred of people we're going to have coming, and they're going to get a letter from the pastor. Boy, thanking them for being willing to be a friend to the person who asked them such whatever, and I, he'll do his own letter. And then you say, oh, by the way, John, just in case I need to call you about something, you, you mind if I have your cell phone number? Uh, that way I can make sure I tell you exactly where I'm going to be and I'll meet you at the front door and what time and all. You mind if I have your phone number? They'll give you phone number. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, if they commit to come, they'll give you the address and they'll give you phone number. Now, on that card, there's a place at the bottom for you to put your name so if there's a question about that visitor when they come, you'll be able to answer it, okay? Uh, then if he says, yeah, I'll give it to you, he gives it to you. Boy, I tell you, John, you've got to keep pushing this thing, making him feel sorry for you. I tell you, you don't know how much better I feel now knowing I'm going to have a friend on friend day. You just put the responsibility on him to be your friend on friend day. And it's all in your little packet. Just pra you don't even know how to practice it. All you've got to know is just remember, you don't want to be here without a friend. And you've got to have his help so you won't be here without a friend. You say, well, preacher, I, I don't know if I want to try to make folks feel sorry for me about being... Let me tell you something. I don't even want to address that. Hey, you just get people here. It's an honorable way. There's nothing wrong with it. Do you want to come without a friend? No, I don't want to come without a friend. I may just stay at the house. I don't have a friend. <laughs> no, I'll be here. Now, what are you going to do that Friday or Saturday before when you call them? Let me tell you what not to say. I've seen so many people had committed people and they lost them. The fish got right off the hook. Do not say, Hey, John, this is Roger Baker. Hey, listen, I was just calling you about friend day coming up tomorrow, if it's on Saturday you call, and I was just wondering if you're going to still be able to come. Don't do that. Don't dare do that. He's been thinking of trying some excuse not to come anyway. Now you just ask him for one. Well, you know, Bill, I really wanted to come, and I hate I can't come, but, you know, and he, he wouldn't have told you that because he felt so bad about you not having a friend, and you're depending on him to be his friend. Don't ever do that. No, a thousand times no. Don't do that. Here's what you do. John, this is Roger Baker. I just, and and don't, don't pause much after, when you're doing this and just say, I called you to thank you again for being my friend this Sunday at Friend Day at 10 o'clock at Woodland Baptist Church. I'll tell you, I am so thrilled to have a friend like you coming, and I won't be without a friend this Sunday. Thank you. Thank you, John, for coming this Sunday. I'll meet you at 945 at the front doors, and boy, you can sit with me and all that stuff. Let me tell you, if he was going to tell you he, can't, he wasn't going to come, 
probably right now he's feeling so bad about disappointing you, and you not having a friend, yeah, I'll see you. You say, well, his heart may not be in it. Let me tell you. Was your heart really in it with many of us when we got saved? We got to church and brother God got us our hearts in it. Amen. He convicted us and dealt with us and we had no anticipation that was going to happen. I went to get a man off my back. He bugged me to death to go to church. I thought I'd go one time and the rascal leave me alone. He didn't and I went and got saved. Amen. Now let me show you this little friend, this little friendly contract thing. I want you to print it. I want you to print so the secretaries can what? Read it. Amen. And uh, you'll put their name or names. If you know the children's name, put the children's name. Why? Let's say they got, let's say they got two children, Bill and Susie. How old are your kids, uh, uh, John? Well, Bill is so-and-so and so-and-so. Jot that down. And then you'll come and give that to the junior Sunday school teacher. Now he's got a prospect. He can follow up with the children. Amen? You've got, you got to be, listen, what, what Charles King said, we've got to start being creative. We've got to think outside the box. I said, well, I don't mind thinking outside the box as long as the box stays inside the Bible. Amen? So I'm not getting off on foolish stuff, but anyway. So you'll, you'll have these friend cards. You should have a couple in each packet, I think. And we'll have some more uh, ladies maybe at the Welcome Center because people are going to do more than two. I'm going to tell you, you go, I, I did this with a church. I've helped ten churches do a friend day. Nine of them over, over double their attendance on that day. Now, large churches like this will never, they don't usually double. Maybe you will, but they don't usually double. I know our church never double, but a church of 250 and less, every one of them would double their attendance on that Sunday. Of lo- most of them lost people and unchurched people, because that's who you're inviting. Now, this coming Sunday, next one, this coming Sunday, was there, uh, is Miss Sandy anywhere nearby? These are not in the packet, are they? Okay. This coming Sunday, all the Sunday school teachers make sure that you have some of these in your Sunday school class, from the young people all the way up through the adults. This is a little inventory, because you're sitting there thinking, man, I don't know anybody. Man, the preacher's about half right. I don't know many lost people, and I don't know, I, I don't know many unchurched, but I just don't know if I know anybody. You know more than you realize you do. Just start thinking about it as you move about the day. You ever go to the post office? Have you ever talked to that person about the Lord, see if they go to church anywhere? We're going to have the Sunday school teachers. Teachers, please help us now. You've got to help us. It won't work if you don't help us. It won't work as well. I want you to take the first five or ten minutes, and if you have 500 lost and unchurched people here, I promise you that ten minutes will be well worth it. I want you to take a few minutes, pass these little inventories out. You don't take them back up. The person in the class keeps them. And you're going to say, I want you right now, make sure you got some extra pens so everybody have one. And say, now here's what we want to do. We want you to jot down right now. I'm about through. I'm right at the end. I want you to jot down right now. Think about it. Do you have anybody in your family that's unsaved? Teachers, just walk them right through it. you have anybody in your family within driving distance, you know, 20, 25 miles, uh, that's not saved in your family? Well, yeah, I've got a couple of them. Well, jot them down. Um, by the way, do you have any co-workers that are either unsaved or not in church? Well, yeah, old Tom said he used to go to church regularly, but he don't go anymore at all. Well, okay, write him down. And you start working through that list. How about neighbors? You say, well, I don't like my neighbor. Well, more reason to get him saved, amen? How about others like a store clerk, a bank teller, a mechanic, a hairdresser, your barber, just anybody? 
And teachers, give them five or ten minutes, work through there, and listen, folks, be a part of this because the friend you invite, it may become the greatest day of their entire life when they pass from death unto life. When their address is no longer eternal damnation, but it's eternal salvation. Let me tell you something, my friend. That'll be a great day that you invited them. And again, I say, your heart will determine your part. Now, a couple of weeks from now, we're going to give you something else on a Sunday just to kind of remind you, and you're going to know it. We're going to give you a little book. The ladies are working on a little book marker to put in your Bible so that you can let that be your little prayer reminder and pray about this day every single day. But if you'll ask them the way I told you to ask them, John, I need a favor. We're having friend day, and I declare I hate like the Dickens to go to church that day, and all of the people at my church are going to have a friend with them, and I'm not going to have one. Could you possibly just be my friend for that one service? I'm telling you, it works. I've seen hundreds of people come to church with that question. Okay? And all of this is in your packet, so you go over and read it, and uh, I believe the Lord will help you with it. Amen? And I'll tell you, I'm looking forward, and I want you to pray that God's power, and of course God's power, I believe, is on our pastor, amen, already. But God will just bless him and help him that Sunday as he preaches the Word, and there'll be such conviction here that people who... There'll be people here in this church that's never been in a fundamental church, never been in a Bible-preaching church. Uh, in fact, I've got two mayors I'm getting ready to go to to ask to be here that day, and I, I know I'm just about sure one of them will come. I don't know about the other one. I'm thinking about asking the mayor of Tobaccoville to come. <laughs> and if he don't come, he's in trouble because he's my son. Amen? <laughs> Brother Mark. Well, God bless you. Why don't, we just, why don't we just pause right now and close out the service in prayer? And would you right now at your seat with your head bowed and your eyes closed, Christian, would you just beg God to help you and not let, don't listen to the devil and by the way, I was going to mention this, but I, I, maybe now is not the time. But I'm going to give out, or we're going to give out two Bibles, two King James defined Bibles to the people who get the most committed, lost people and unchurched people. But right now, I want you to bow your head and say, Lord, don't let me believe the lie of the devil that I can't be used of God to bring lost people and unchurched people and people in, in liberal churches that will never hear the gospel and die and go to hell because they've got a lost preacher maybe. Would you pray right now, Lord, give me some friends to bring. Lord, give me somebody that I can bring and it might become the greatest day of their entire life.